Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. This morning, uh, I'm really excited because I'm going to talk about, to begin with, I think I'm going to talk about something that I really love. And uh, tell you a little bit about myself. I am from, was born and raised in Colorado, okay? Uh, was born in Loveland, which is north, kind of by Fort Collins, where Colorado State is. And then you go a little bit more south, and there's Denver, and that's where me and Angie, my wife, met. So that has, holds a special place in my heart. And then go a little farther south and, uh, along the Front Range, and there's Colorado Springs. And that is where I was born and raised. And Colorado Springs, if you guys have never been there, who's been there? A lot of people have been to Colorado Springs. Come on. If you haven't been there... Uh, a lot of things to do in Colorado Springs. It's an incredible weekend getaway, whether it's the Broadmoor Hotel, whether it's the Air Force Academy, an incredible tour that you can take at the Air Force Academy with the mountains behind it. We used to have a house across the street, and we would see the chapel and the sunset all in the same picture. It was amazing. Uh, we have Garden of the Gods in Colorado Springs, just one of the most beautiful places on earth, and incredible trails and just awesome, uh, awesome I wouldn't call them mountains, I would call them rocks, um, but uh, just absolutely beautiful city, and um, you should come sometime. Um, <laughs> the thing, though, in Colorado, if, if you have been to Colorado, uh, or if you haven't been to Colorado, that millions of people every year come to Colorado for one reason, and that reason is, or they're skiing on. The mountains, exactly, exactly. And in Colorado Springs, we have got one of those great mountains. It's called Pikes Peak. And it's a 14,000-foot mountain, sits smack dab in the middle of the city. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. You wake up to that every single day. Matter of fact, Pikes Peak is so big that if I'm in Loveland at my dad's house, which is two and a half hours away, on a clear day, you can still see Pikes Peak. It's that big. It's that majestic. And uh, this morning, I'm excited because I'm going to talk about mountains. But I'm going to talk about a different kind of mountain, okay? Not the 14,000-foot majestic mountain, but the hypothetical mountains in our life, okay? Uh, that get between us and where God wants to take us. We all or currently have mountains in our life. I know I have. I know when uh, I was young, I went to college, and I left after my junior year because I just had no idea what I wanted to do, and finishing school became a mountain for me, right? And I didn't finish till I was actually in my mid-30s. When I was 33 years old and still single, getting married felt like a mountain. It was something that I always desired to do, and it was this mountain in my life. Another one, and probably the biggest one in my life, when I was around 30 years old, I found out that I had this liver disease. And they basically said the, the life of this liver disease is going to be eight years. And one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to get a transplant or you're going to die. And that was a pretty big mountain in my life, taking me right to the edge right before I died when that mountain was moved. All of us have mountains in our life, right? You may, you may look at your bank account at the end of the month and see the amount of bills that you have, and it feels like there's a mountain in your life, and it keeps coming up at the end of every month. There's so many different kinds of mountains. You may have a mountain of addiction to food, 
to porn, to sex, to drugs, to rock and roll. <laughs> a lot of different mountains that we have. You may have relationships in your life where there's a mountain that stands between you and this other person. Maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a friend. And that mountain has planted itself firmly and you over the years have not been able to move it. We all have mountains. Is there anyone in here who has had a mountain in their life? Yeah? yeah? Okay. Somebody say mountain. mountain. All right. <laughs> Not going to happen. <laughs> Listen, as beautiful as Pikes Peak and as mountains can be, these kind of mountains, they can be dark. They can be hard. They can be lifelong mountains that just haven't moved in your life. And this morning, I'm going to take you to a parable. It's a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 17, and it talks about those mountains. In our life. So if you have your Bible with me, I want you to go with me. Okay, Matthew 17, and we're going to go to verse 20. It says this. It's on the screen behind me if you don't have your Bible with you. It says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray you'd move today, Lord. We need your presence. We need your wisdom. We need your heart. We need you to touch every person in this room, Father. Open up our eyes. Show us something providential that will move to help us conquer mountains in our life. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. So what's Jesus trying to tell us in this parable? The answer to that question actually makes us back up a little bit. And so we have to go back to the beginning, more towards the beginning of the chapter, to be able to really feel what Jesus was feeling in this moment that he shared this parable. Okay? So let's go to verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. One of the first things that we see when we look at this passage is that there's a man who's in dire need. And he has a son who is in dire need. In the Mark version of this story, it actually says that he has been possessed like this since he was a child. So this is a mountain that has been in their life for quite a long time. And this man, this day, he's coming to Jesus desperate. It goes on to say, Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire, into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And Jesus responds to his request in a strange way. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? When I first read this passage, it kind of hits you a little bit. You're like, man, that, that was strong. But what you have to remember is it wasn't just this man. 
right before this story, at the beginning of the chapter, is where Jesus took Peter, James, and John, three of the disciples, up on a very high mountain, and Jesus was transfigured before them. Meaning his face, it says, shined like the sun, and his clothes became so bright, it was like a bright light. Can you imagine Peter, James, and John watching this happen? Something out of a Marvel movie, you know? And then, not if that was not enough, Moses and Elijah show up and just start having a conversation with Jesus. And it's a strange scene, and these three disciples are getting to experience this, right? And, of course, Peter, in, as awkward as Peter can be, is like, should we be here? I can build some shelter for you. It's just one of the strangest things that I think that you could say when Moses is literally standing before you at this moment. So these three had been up on a mountain, and they're coming down, and there's a crowd. There's a crowd of people that surround Jesus along with this man, okay? So Jesus, speaking like this, what he's speaking to is not only the man, but the crowd that is surrounding. Because the disciples failed to heal the boy, you can, excuse me, you can imagine the scribes and the Pharisees around that are already lording that over them. You couldn't get rid of the demon. You're not disciples of Jesus. And Jesus is like you unbelieving generation. When are you going to change? In that Mark version, the man, in Mark's version of the story, the man actually says, if you can heal my son. And Jesus is like, if. You know, so there's a lot of unbelief happening in this circle. And if you remember, Jesus left his hometown because of the unbelief that happened there. So Jesus says, bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. In one moment does something that nobody has been able to do, not even the disciples. What was a mountain to this man, to this boy, a mountain that literally took control of his flesh and blood, would throw him into the fire, would throw him into the water to drown him, a mountain that constantly has put this man's son, his life in peril. In one moment, this demon is silenced, bound, and thrown out like swatting a fly from the air. And the disciples, they can't believe it. How can something that they tried so hard to do and accomplish, which they had already done this. I don't know if you guys remember, but earlier in their walk with Jesus, Jesus had given them the power to get rid of demons. Mark 6, 12 says, So they went out and preached publicly that everyone should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. But this time, they failed. This time, they couldn't do it. So let me review for a moment. So far in this story, we have a man and a boy with a mountain. We have the crowd, the scribes, people with unbelief with a mountain in front of them. And we have the disciples who Jesus is telling them they don't have the faith. And they have a mountain 
in front of them. Let's go back to the original passage. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. The actual translation there is that you have the littlest faith. <laughs> Even worse, right? When you were little, you never wanted to heard that you were the littlest, right? You had the littlest faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So what is Jesus trying to say? Because there's some symbolism here and possibly a message within the message, as most parables do. What grabs me when I read this story is the dynamic between this mustard seed, the tiniest of seeds that barely can sit in the middle of your palm on one side, probably the smallest thing Jesus could think about, and he sets that against this mountain, the largest thing on the face of this earth outside of the oceans as far as land. If you have faith as small as the mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Before we get caught up in the symbolism here, there's something I want us to take a closer look at because as I prayed over the course of this week, I kind of got stuck there. And in the course of my prayer, there were two things that kept coming up in my prayer. Two words. One that is in the story before the parable, and one that shows up in the parable. And those two words, believe and faith. First, let's look at believe. The word believe shows up 140 times in the New Testament. To believe, by definition, is confidence that something is true to feel sure of the truth of. At some point, a good percentage of you in this room came to a decision that you were going to believe. That you were going to believe that Jesus was the Son of God, right? That he was born of the Virgin Mary, that he grew up in Nazareth, that in his ministry he did miracles and healings and he preached salvation. Then he was arrested and beaten and died on a cross. And then three days later he rose again, showed himself to the disciples and hundreds of people, told them he was sending the Holy Spirit to them, and then he went up to sit at the right seat of the Father. Right? All of us at one point or another started at that place where we had to make that simple decision to believe in Jesus. We chose to believe it was true. Belief is a powerful thing. When we made that decision, that decision, decision brought us from death to life. It brought us from condemnation to eternity 
with God. If you're here this morning and you haven't made that decision yet, hey, I'm glad you're here. Because once again, all of us at one point or another was searching as well, just like you. And it's okay that you're at the place that you're at. John 3.17, through 18 actually, one of the most famous scriptures of all says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Four times in that passage, the word believe is used. Belief is a powerful thing. According to this passage, when we choose to believe, life begins. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God is the thing, my friends, that gets us started. It's the thing that puts us over the threshold. Just that simple choice. But if it stops there, then you're missing out on all that God has and wants for you in your life. If your belief gets capped right there, you're going to miss out. The simple choice to believe sets a foundation in our spiritual lives because all of us at one point made that decision. All of us at one point as well didn't believe. And there are levels of belief, right? Okay? So we start, if you could pull up that, we start with no belief. And that first decision that we make, belief in Jesus as the Son of God. Step one, believing that he is still alive and that he has sent his Holy Spirit to take residence inside of you, well, that's another level. Believing that he wants a relationship with you, that he's not just this God who's sitting up in heaven watching us just make a mess of it down here, that he actually wants to be a part of your life on a daily basis, come on, that's another level. Believing that he hears your prayers and that he answers prayer and wants what's best for you like a father does. Come on, family, that's another level. Believing that the miracles and healing that Jesus performed and that are written in this book, that those miracles are true and recorded for us and that those miracles and healings can still happen today, that's another level of belief, right? Believing that he can still reach anyone. Every single one of us in this room knows somebody who is far from God, who is lost, who has dry bones. And guess what? When you believe that he can conquer those, where he can bring breath into life, that's another level. Believing his power is inside you. That's another level. And believing that he can move any mountain in your life, that anything is possible, like he says at the end of that scripture, nothing will be possible for you. That's that top level, right? 
This is what I call belief stacking. We tend to find ourselves somewhere in this. As you go through each one of them, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I, I don't know if I believe that. I kind of believe that. Because belief is a powerful thing. I have a clip from a movie I want you guys to watch. And it's a little bit long, so I want you to grab your imaginary popcorn. Okay? Sit back for a moment, but stay with me till the end of this clip. Because these last words are really important. And I think you'll notice something about the story we just talked about with the disciples and what happens in this clip. Take a look. We'll never get it out now. So certain are you. Always with you, it cannot be done. Do you nothing that I say? Master, moving stones around is one thing. This is totally different. No, no different. Only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned. All right, I'll give it a try. No, try not. Do or do not. There is no try.
why you fail. I can't believe it. That is why you fail. Family, what you think about who you are, about what's possible with God in your life, is everything. Henry Ford said, if you think you can or can't, you're right. Right? Belief is an incredibly powerful thing. I want to read this passage of scripture to you, Matthew 21, 20. And this is after, if you remember the story, Jesus walks by this fig tree and it had no fruit on the branches. So Jesus cursed the fig tree. And he says this, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for. In prayer. There's a correlation between what we believe and what is possible. Where you lie on those levels of belief has everything to do with how God can work in your life. That's not to say he doesn't work regardless of your belief at times, but time after time in the Bible, belief is key to what is possible. Now, it's interesting in that passage that faith and belief seem to go right alongside each other. You see, faith and belief, though similar, are different. You remember I said that belief is confidence that something is true. Going back to that passage of Scripture, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, you can say to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Believing is believing that God has the power and will answer your prayers. Faith is the acting on part. Faith is going to that mountain and saying, go into the sea, right? So faith is when we begin to take the beliefs that we have that are laid on foundation and we start to live out those beliefs. The biblical definition of faith in Hebrews 11.1 is that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I love in one translation it actually says what we do not yet see. Meaning that we have to believe that it's already there. When we pray, I believe there's a passage of a scripture that said, if you don't believe what you're praying is going to be done, it's not gonna happen. You have to believe in faith. You remember the story of the centurion guard who came to Jesus and he said, I have a servant that is sick. Jesus, would you please heal him? He means everything to me. Jesus is like, lead the way, show me. And Jesus follows him, begins to follow him, and the guard's like, no, 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 no. Jesus, just say the word, and he will be healed. And what does Jesus say about that centurion guard? Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. You remember the story of the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, right? Jesus comes into town, 
There's a huge crowd. She's fighting her way through the crowd. She believes that if she can just touch the robe, just the edge of his cloak, that she will be healed. So she fights her way through. She touches the cloak. Jesus feels power come out of him. He turns around. Hey, who, who touched me? My power's gone, you know? And she, she finally fesses up. And then what does he say to her? Daughter, your faith has healed you. So both of those situations, they believed that Jesus was the Son of God and that he had the power to heal them, right? But it was their faith and their actions that led them to reach out, to touch, and led them to say, no, just say the word, Jesus. In both situations, it was all about Jesus. It was all about what was possible with Jesus. But we have to take our steps as well. So what does faith look like today? A lot of these stories from the Bible. And I started to think, where do I as a pastor, where do I see faith show up? And there's a couple different places. One of them is in giving. Jesus talks about, or in the, New, in the Old Testament, it talks about giving a tenth of our tithe, right? And that's a hard thing to do. It takes a lot of faith to give a tenth of your tithe. God, at one point in Malachi, he says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will be not enough room for it. God is saying, test me in this. Bring your tithe into the storehouse. And that he is going to bless you, yet only 25 to 35% of practicing Christians in the United States tithe. What that says to me is that we have a faith problem. We don't really believe that he's going to bless. The other one and I think I've seen this even more so since COVID, is worry. We worry, right? There's a whole ch a passage in uh, Matthew chapter 6 that's on worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food and body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. It goes on and on. We worry about finances. We worry about what to wear. We worry about being liked. We worry about what tomorrow will hold. I know in our house right now, we've got a girl that's getting ready to graduate next year, and we're worrying about how are we going to pay for college, <laughs> right? And my daughter is worrying about making the right choice. What's she going to do after high school? You know what's, what someone looks like who is living out faith? This is what they look like. <laughs> Come on, faith like a dog. This is Nala, one of our dogs. Listen, Nala doesn't worry any day whether or not she's going to get food. She doesn't worry any day whether or not she's going to get to play fetch or chase the rabbits outside. She doesn't worry about whether she's going to have a comfy bed to sleep on every night. 
she's taken care of. In Matthew, in that chapter, he says, the flowers of the field don't worry. Nala doesn't worry. Why do we worry? It's an area of faith that we can all grow in. So, let me wrap this up quickly, by the way. <laughs> Back to our mountains. How do we move our mountains? How do we move those mountains that have been in our life? Some for a long time, some that keep popping up every once in a while. Family. First of all, our beliefs are the foundation. It's the foundation in your personal life, what you believe about yourself, who you are, what you're capable of, where you're going. It's everything. It's foundational what you believe about others. Because, see, what you believe about others affects how God can use you. If you believe that everybody is a child of God and that he wants to reach them, that opens the door for God to use our hearts to touch them, right? Most importantly, belief is foundational to your faith. It starts with belief in the power of Jesus. And once you start building and stacking those beliefs, one on top of the other, you start to act out those faith, that faith. When belief and faith work together, what moves? The mountains. So how do you build them? How do you build your levels of belief and faith? Y'all know this. I know you do. You don't need me to tell you this. If you feed your beliefs and your faith and you starve your worries and your doubts, what happens? We grow. As it comes to belief, how are you going to feed your belief? Number one, soak in his word. That's it. The more you get in, the more your levels of belief are going to grow. Put yourself into the story. Put yourself right there next to the disciples. Feel what they felt. You do that when you read the Bible, and all of a sudden it becomes real to you, and your belief starts to grow. Number two, prayer. How do you build a relationship with God? How do you build a relationship with each other? Talking to each other, right? We need to do the same thing with God. And he desires that from us. But it seems we're so hesitant to have that relationship daily with him. Number three, community. Over the course of this past semester, we've done a lot of stories. And every single time we have played one of those stories, whether it was Stephanie or Ariel or Brian, so many stories. And every time, what did it do? It elevated our own faith, right? Our own beliefs in God because of the miracles that he had done. Listen, you don't have to wait for us to make videos to find out stories. Invite somebody out for coffee. Be curious. Ask questions. That's how we grow in faith. Or excuse me, how we grow in our beliefs. 
How do we build faith? Practice. Yes, I said practice. Maybe for you that's giving. Maybe for you it's taking those worries, those fears, that anxiety, and giving it to God and laying it down at his feet daily. And you may need to do that 20, 30 times a day to begin with. You might need to do that every 10 minutes because I know sometimes I lay something down and all I got to do is turn and walk away and I'm already worrying again, right? It's practice. It's practice laying there and then saying, okay, I'm not going to touch that anymore. Third, do what you can. Let God do what only he can. He's the answer to all of this, guys. We can grow in our belief and we can grow in our faith, but we all know that it's Christ who is the power. Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. That means anything is possible. Say that with me. Anything is possible. Okay, one more time. Say, anything is possible. Say it again. Say it again. Do you see how when you say that over and over, how something shifts in you? You can feel it after just three times. Anything is possible. Family, isn't it time you took the steps needed to start believing with abandon and taking giant steps of faith that just might make you the disciple that they talk about years and years from now. God bless y'all. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.